You can like put acid in a foundation. That stuff is the shit. Deodorants and antiperspirants are not one and the same. Just a shitty human being. You don't know what they did to it. Like I am a sweaty Freddy. Welcome to our Vanity Lab, a podcast about the beauty of science and marketing by a makeup-loving cosmetic chemist and a skincare-obsessed marketing expert. Each week, we deliver industry news like debunking myths, confirming facts, and let you in on the tea you didn't even know you wanted to know. I'm your host, Laura. And I'm Emmy, and you're listening to Vanity Lab. Hello, and welcome to our Vanity Lab. This week, we'll be learning about what exactly eyebrow lamination is, if aluminum is really going to give you cancer, and is it really necessary to destroy good cosmetics after they've been returned to the retailer? Laura, you recently sent me an article about eyebrow trends, and I thought we should start the podcast with that today. Yes, so the article that I found was on Cosmopolitan, and it's on their website, so we'll link it in the show notes if you'd like to give it a read. But this article is about a new eyebrow trend called eyebrow lamination, which is basically the idea of getting the, like, Carla Delevingne-esque kind of brows. And if you guys, again, don't know what that kind of looks like, we'll put pictures in the show notes, but essentially it's where the brows are fluffier and the and the eyebrow hairs are placed in a vertical manner to appear like shinier and fuller. And it's supposed to be like a non-invasive version of microblading. It's a three-step system, including lifting cream, a neutralizing cream, and a hydrating oil treatment, which sounds like an interesting way for people to start doing their brows. And I know you, Emmy, love tinting your brows and you love playing around with your brows. How do you feel about this whole trend? I think it's a really interesting trend and an interesting take on, you know, some of the new advancements or not advancements, but new applications and kind of a cross-pollination of technology within the beauty industry. Perms, like, I don't know, when I think perms, I think Grease, like the movie, you know, so it's a pretty big staple in the beauty industry. You've recently seen it kind of more transferred into the lash industry with lash lifting and, you know, now with brows. Um, So I think it's an interesting reapplication. And I like that it gives an option for fuller brows that's non-invasive. However, you're still going to get like chemical burns or not chemical burns, but you still have that possibility of that happening. Um, If you overdo it, if you leave it on too long, if you go to someone who isn't as trained or um, is just kind of doing it willy nilly. So I still think it's important to do your research on whoever you're going to to get it done from. And the same goes for like any of those home kits that you see. I did notice that the Cosmopolitan article that we read about this, the at home version that they linked to because, you know, we're all in quarantine um, was about 150. I can't remember if that was in Australian, um, like AUD or if it was in USD, but it seems pretty comparable to me um, to what the cost would be actually like getting that procedure done or process done in LA from a trained technician. So if you're willing to risk it, considering, you know, I've seen a couple eyebrow shaving trends on accident, <laughs> um, this quarantine. So, um, with, with, you know, the, um, what, oh, what it, what's that trend? It's, um, the eyebrows, it's the little space in the eyebrow. I've seen that all over, and then I've seen the mishaps that when people are trying to do it, they accidentally, like, shave off the rest of their brow. <laughs> so, yeah, and so that'll actually tie into my high-key product later, um, just as an enticement to maybe continue listening. So, don't worry if you accidentally shave off your eyebrow. There, There is hope to make it maybe grow back a little bit faster. Um, the only thing that I would say about this whole like eyebrow lamination thing is like you said, it is essentially like perming. I would say do a patch test on your skin to make sure that you don't have like a, like more sensitive skin. And I would probably do it right under your arm. 
because that's where your skin's pretty thin. That way you can see if you have any kind of burns or if anything like that after like eight to 10 minutes, depending on what the package instructions are. That way you can ensure that you're not going to have chemical burns near your eyes, which is not ideal. So I would definitely recommend make sure you do patch testing before you even decide to do this at home because, girl, you do not want some burnt-ass eyebrows. And if you have tattoo sleeves like I do, another good option for patch testing is right behind your ear. So this next topic that we're going to be bringing up is something that Laura and I have talked on and off about forever over the last couple of years, but deodorants and antiperspirants and how they're like different. And then also the consumer trend to transferring to more natural deodorants. One of the main reasons why we use deodorants antiperspirants is because we either experience body odor or we sweat or sometimes both. But a fun fact is that the sweat that we actually secrete is odorless. So then you're probably wondering why, why does it stink? Because when you go into like a men's locker room, it's not anything but not good. It's bad odor. Everybody knows that like terrible BO. And this is because when the odorless sweat interacts with the bacteria already found on your body, it causes a reaction called decomposition. And this chemical reaction causes BO or body odor. When we do experience BO, we often go into our medicine cabinet, grab our deodorant or antiperspirant. But on the contrary to popular belief, deodorants and antiperspirants are not one and the same. A deodorant is not an antiperspirant, but an antiperspirant can be a deodorant. So deodorants can control body odor by using a variety of ingredients that can include odor masking, odor neutralizing, odor quenching, odor absorbing, or even esterase inhibitors. While antiperspirants reduce body odor by reversibly blocking sweat gland excretions by forming a plug in the sweat gland. This is possible through aluminum-based agents such as aluminum chloride, aluminum chlorohydrate, and a few more. They are often complex with PEGs, also known as propylene glycol. This mechanism action is a physiological effect on the human body, making an antiperspirant and OTC drug cosmetics, while deodorants do not have a physiological effect on the body, so it's considered cosmetics according to the FDA. However, despite all of this, I have heard so much talk on the media that aluminum is bad, and I know you, Emmy, have a perspective on this about aluminum, about going natural. How do you feel? I feel like it is basically just a trend. Like, I've, I've, I've tried it all, you know, um, because I was kind of curious. I personally don't think aluminum is any worse for you in deodorant form than it is when you're using tinfoil to cook, you know, anything in or any of the other byproducts we come into contact with, like, on a daily basis. I do because I have – like, I'm currently using natural deodorants, mostly because I've got them in PR packages, and they're here, and it feels like a waste not to use them. But I will say the the one product that has worked the best for me from both an antiperspirant and a deodorant perspective was, like, secret clinical. That stuff is the shit. <laughs> But transitioning into natural deodorants, and I've tried a bunch of the different brands that they have available, there is going to be a transition period. It takes a little bit of while. It's like when you transition from not shampooing your hair as much, you're you're producing more sweat as a kind of like counterbalance mechanism from your body. But I have noticed that... Right now, I actually sweat a lot less when I'm not wearing deodorant. Um, Since I've transitioned to natural, I don't know if that's completely anecdotal or not, but I still sweat like a lot. Like I am a sweaty Freddy. 
like when it comes to day-to-day life. But the nice thing is, you know, the natural deodorants do work for deodorizing uh, for the most part, especially when you're using them. I make it a point to put it on in the morning when I wake up and then before I go to bed, just so it's getting that point at every 12 hours. And then I also use a glycolic product every so often on my underarms to like further kill bacteria and like really make sure your pores are um, cleaned out and unclogged. As far as like natural deodorants that I've had experience with, one of my favorites is type A. It actually comes in kind of like a tube form, which is interesting that it squeezes out. But that was so far the most effective one that I've used is in terms of deodorizing and um, like helping with the sweat most. Um, another one I really like is Schmitz. But even when you're using it in the kind of um, more traditional deodorant packaging, it's a little messy. Like it leaves a little bit more um, of those white stains. So if you like put your t-shirt on afterwards, fun tip for that is bounce or like the dryer sheets if you rub it on really helps. And then also if you're able to rub some of the same fabric on it, that really helps take those out because I have to deal with that on a daily basis. I also really like Kopari because it's a really great value and it, it lasts a long time being coconut based. And it's also really hydrating. It doesn't dry out that really thin skin very much. One of the products that I really wanted to love was actually Native, but that was probably one of the worst natural deodorants I've ever used. Do I think it's a little, I don't want to say a gimmick, but I think, you know, consumers are going to come to to the market with, you know, their own reasons for doing things and either you're okay with aluminum or not and you have your own choice for that. And I think there is a great range now that they have to choose from compared to like 10 years ago when it was only that crystal brand, which I think is basically just salt. (laughs) So one thing that I really love about the natural deodorant crowd, and maybe it's just because I live in Hollywood and I encounter a lot of these people, are the people who are afraid of using aluminum, but regularly get Botox. And this is no shade on Botox. I get Botox all the time. I love my Botox. Um, Not only for, you know, you know, fine lines and wrinkles, but also I get Botox in my masseters for my um, TMJ, which really, really helps. So by all means, very pro Botox, if that's what you want to do fully support that. But I think it's really interesting when they're okay with literally injecting um, a neurotoxin into their bodies, but they're afraid of aluminum. But let's just remind everyone that Botox was actually approved for treating hyperhidrosis in 2004 for the underarms, the palms, feet, and face. So that is like an on-label treatment for that. So just an FYI, that is very um, effective at preventing sweating and therefore... um, bacteria and smell um just kind of speaking on the idea of consumers kind of being afraid of aluminum and this kind of grew in the 1990s that the idea the idea of antiperspirants can be absorbed through razor nicks then deposited into the lip nose which prevents sweating which in turn will allow toxins to remain in the body and therefore causing cancer because we know that one of our main ways of not only cooling down, but releasing toxins is through sweat. And so people were very concerned that these toxins were sitting in our body, building up. But however, there have been no studies linking that, linking to this, and there's no definitive evidence that this is true. In addition, one of the main cancer concerns is breast cancer, since the armpit sits so close to the breast, is that aluminum is being absorbed into the breast. But 
Studies shown that the amount of aluminum found in breast cancer is the same amount of aluminum found in a completely healthy breast tissue. So you're not really absorbing any more or less than you have you would have if you did have breast cancer or not. And the, the amount of aluminum that is ador- absorbed through the skin is 0.12%, which is significantly less than the amount of aluminum that we find in foods that we eat. And in addition... American Cancer Society, the National Cancer Institute shows no evidence that aluminum has caused cancer, but the FDA does require warning statement at all antiperspirants that it may cause kidney disease, so you should consult your physician. <laughs> I just want to take a small point to mention that one of the reasons why the underarm is like so specific too is that it is a place that a lot of people regularly shave. I personally got laser. I don't really have to do that. I epilate maybe once every three months to get some of the little strays that didn't make it through the lasering process. But basically, when you are shaving, it can create like micro abrasions. And that in turn will put whatever you are applying, give it the potential to be um, systemic. And systemic means that whatever you're applying on your skin topically could enter the bloodstream. That doesn't mean it does, because you also have to remember that even with micro tears and nicks that you would get while shaving, you're usually not cutting yourself on the underarm. Like I always cut myself around the ankles, the underarm. I don't think I've ever cut myself with the razor before I did laser. What would happen is a very controlled exfoliation. Um, But just kind of speaking on just like kind of using deodorants because we sweat a lot. And I feel like a lot of people feel that We sweat predominantly through our armpits, and this is our primary way of sweating to cool us down and release toxins. However, this is because it's an insulated area and it does not get exposed to a lot of air. And so the entire human body is covered in sweat gland, and that is plenty for us to be able to cool us down and release toxins required for the body. So for those of you who are saying, like, if you use deodorant, because I know I mentioned earlier that it does plug your sweat gland, you have enough sweat glands for the rest of your body to release the toxins that you need and has you have enough sweat glands in your body to, re- to release sweat to cool you down. People just find sweating under your armpits the most uncomfortable, which is why deodorants and antiperspirants were developed. I would contest that. As a sweaty buddy, I'm going to say with my foot down very firmly (laughs) that the most uncomfortable feeling is sweating under your boobs. (laughs) You can put deodorant under your boobs. No one is stopping you. It's just No, I totally do. But that is way more uncomfortable than underarm sweat. (laughs) That doesn't work universally through both genders, however. (laughs) Men can have boobs, too. I mean, we are we are trans allies. Yes. So um, pointing that out there just putting it there but in terms of male and female not men and women male and female they're less likely to have under boob sweat some people just don't freaking sweat man i'm so jealous like okay i don't sweat that often i'm more of a like honestly i probably wear deodorant maybe like two times a week and i'm fine but some people don't need deodorant at all. And I'm like, how? Like, do you not wear clothes? Do you just sit with your arms right. up all day? Like, what is happening? Do you not work out? I am a schwitzer and I like being warm. And, like, sweat really doesn't bother me unless it's smelly. And for whatever reason, 
like when even though I'm sweating a lot, like Jack won't know I'm sweaty until he like touches me and he feels it. Like he can't smell it um, because the bacteria hasn't started at all. And like I shower regularly. Yeah. So literally, the only reason you sweat is because of bacteria. If you shower regularly, the bacteria will not be on your body to cause that chemical reaction that smells really bad. Also, let let's quickly talk about how with the difference between deodorants and antiperspirants. One of the reasons antiperspirants work so well is it stops you sweating and therefore also works as a deodorant because for bacteria to grow, it requires water, i.e. sweat. So like wrapping everything up, deodorants and antiperspirants, obviously you're going to have your own feelings about this topic. We would love to hear them. So please reach out on either our our website, our Instagram, our email, like let us know what you're thinking. At the end of the day, um, no studies have shown any adverse effects from aluminum in deodorants. So this is really a personal choice up to you with what you're comfortable using. And I know personally for me, I tend to lean more towards natural deodorants just because they have scents that I like better. Also, I know a couple of people will lean towards natural deodorants just because of the types of fragrances used. A lot of them are going to be uh, more sensitive to non-natural fragrances. Um, so that's something to keep like in mind too. But also when you are using natural deodorants, if they're using things like essential oils as fragrances, that will also affect people's like sensitive skin as well. So that's something to keep in mind. At the end of the day, this is a really personal choice to see what works best for you. Okay, so now that we're both really definitively addicted to TikTok now, did you see that video about that Ulta employee kind of destroying cosmetic products? How do you, what's the deal with that? So destroying return products is not a new thing. It has happened in the beauty industry and even the fashion industry for a very long time. This not only deters dumpster diving, which the industry finds very threatening in terms of sales, but also it's a huge hygiene issue. So when a store doesn't know how much a product could have potentially been tampered with, it's a huge liability issue for them putting it back on the shelf. One of the things that comes to mind for me personally is I remember when I was in undergrad, one of our um, like law classes or um, like liability classes mentioned this case where a lot of like the random killings like I know this is a weird transition, actually occurred from someone like purchasing aspirin, tampering with it, and then returning it. The store then put it back on the shelf. And then people were unwittingly, you know, taking rat poison instead of the aspirin they thought they were taking and then, you know, dying. So that's just to underscore, you know, the potential that what could happen. This doesn't happen now. You know, there, there are all the like safety measures. And this is like one of the reasons why policies like destroying all products actually exist. Yeah. So I I worked for a big cosmetic retailer and I was kind of privy to all of this. And one of a couple of things that we look for, I feel like in the video, she just had a bunch of, it was just basically her destroying a bunch of cosmetic products, but we don't actually destroy all of them. The only way we're not going to destroy a product is if we see a tamper seal on there that hasn't been tampered with. The box is sealed. I personally would always throw away any mascara, even if they told me that they didn't use it, just because of just safety precautions, because you can never really tell if a mascara is really used or not. So I always threw those away. But there are ways to tell if a product has been used or not. And I always thought it was so funny. I would a customer would come up to the register and they're like, I need to return this. I'm like, cool. I was like, oh, did you use it? And I feel like they thought that I asked that because if they said that they didn't use it, 
they, I was going to more likely accept their return, but really I just wanted to know if I had to throw it away or not. They would always say, no, I didn't use it. And then I would open it up and it would clearly be used. It'd be like foundation stain all over the bottle or something. I'm like, can you just be honest so I can destroy it? That way people feel safe when they're using product. Yeah, I was honestly one of the people that would destroy products all the time just because of this. There's so many things you can put in like a foundation that can you can like put acid in a foundation and your face would burn if you end up being that poor person that bought it. So yeah. Well, I- let's also just talk about oxidization and that process as well. Um, so one of the reasons that I always am very truthful when I'm returning a product and I really try hard not to return products at all is the fact that like even if you just open a product, that invites bacteria in to whatever product it is. So if you haven't listened to our podcast on preservatives and parabens, I think this is a great time to listen to it to fully understand. But even if you just open a mascara tube and you don't use it and you return it and say you didn't use it and it gets put back on the shelf, it was still opened. So that still allows, you know, bacteria to get inside the tube from when it was manufactured and grow, and that could lead to blindness. So I fully support destroying, you know, products that, you know, have been opened just for hygienic reasons. Like, and I feel like in turn, that really puts the onus on like us as a consumer. Like, I think we should be more mindful as consumers. And I'm not like giving shit to anyone who maybe gets something for a birthday present and returns it because it's not what they wanted or um, they wanted something else more. But don't buy things just so because you know, you can try it out and return it, you know, be mindful about what you're purchasing. And I think, you know, especially for everyone being in quarantine, this is a really great opportunity for us to do so because, you know, one, we are more limited in our like purchasing capacity. And two, now that everything is being delivered online for the most part, it's a little bit harder to return things. I really do feel like it is kind of also up to the consumer to just not buy willy nilly and, um, return things and big retailers will give you a free sample if you ask for it so sample products test it out for a couple days if you love it come back and buy it you're less likely to return it that way exactly or buy the trial size first like i know mascaras a lot of them have the little baby sizes for like ten dollars and they go bad in three months anyway just always buy the baby size to be honest Save your money. Always buy the baby size of mascara. They go bad in three months anyways. Yeah, unless you're using the same mascara all day, every day, I am very pro baby size. One thing that I noticed a lot is when you scroll through the comments, they're like, well, why are you destroying products? Why you can't reuse it, blah, blah, blah. Clearly you can't reuse it. But if you're also mad that people have to destroy the products that people return, just don't be one of the people that returns the product so we don't have to destroy it. Yay! Brava. I feel like people are like, oh, that's so wasteful, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're the one who made it wasteful. You bought it and you didn't want it. No, exactly. And, you know, that's why I really stress that the onus is on the end consumer. If you want to see a change in the industry, you have to be that change. Yeah. One of my biggest pet peeves at working like on the floor of a beauty store was 
I would have a client come in and they'll be like, hey, like, can you color match me this foundation? I'll color match them. They'll go buy it. And then um, I would be like, hey, like, do you want to sample first? And then you can come back and purchase it. And they're like, oh, I don't want to come back. And then they end up coming back anyways to return it because it was like it was too matte. It was too shiny or whatever. Or like they wore it all day and it like broke on their oily skin or whatever, which have you. And I was like, but you were coming back anyways. So if you had a sample, you would have returned it. I'd have to throw away this brand new bottle of foundation that you only used once. And let's also keep in mind too that the like, I mean, depending on what your terminology is, the, the vendor or the retailer, the actual brand you're buying might have stipulations in their partnership agreements that require you to actually destroy the product if it's returned. So I worked a bunch of different jobs while I was putting myself through undergrad because, you know, um, I paid my own tuition. But I worked for a pretty well-known warehouse store for, you know, many years. And part of my job was working the front door um, as customer service and working in the, the return area. And some of these return requests were wild. Like people would bring back their couches from seven years ago with pet stains, like cigarette burns, and return those couches. And per our return agreements, we would take them. It was it it was nuts, honestly. And it really made me be a very mindful consumer in terms of you know, what I purchase and what I'm willing to return. You know, there's just so much waste and it's not necessarily on the retailer you're purchasing it from. It might be because the manufacturer deems it necessary in terms of like a requirement of you selling their product. So working for the warehouse store, dealing with customers who brought back the strangest things for no grounds at all, you know, has really inspired me to be as mindful as a consumer as I possibly can, just because I saw what would happen in the aftermath of that. And also, if you're bringing a couch set back to a store that you used for seven years because you redecorated your living room and repainted it and it doesn't match anymore, you're just a shitty human being. Uh, my biggest issue, I feel like whenever I was working at this uh, beauty retailer was that customers would come in and return products that we clearly didn't sell. Like they would try to like, they're like, can I return this? I bought this here. And I was like, no, you didn't. You bought this at Target. Or they'll, or it'll be like the worst counterfeit makeup I've ever seen in my entire life. And like, they're like, I bought this here two days ago. Where's your manager? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll go grab the exact product, the exact shade. And I'm like, I would point out all the packaging discrepancies and how the shade is different. And so they're like, I bought it here. I have a receipt. And then I'd be like, can I see it? They're like, oh, I lost it. But you gave me one. Okay, so this is a digression. But also remember that counterfeit makeup is a thing. And... I don't recommend purchasing, you know, makeup or skincare unless it's like maybe a sheet mask or something from like Marshall's TJ Maxx, Home Goods, whatever. I personally love those stores. Those stores get a huge percentage of my paycheck, so I'm not shitting on them. But what I am saying is that is a gray market. Like typically those stores are not the actual authorized retailer for 90% of the product that they're actually selling. They actually probably bought it from a third party. So a lot of times it'll be like, just say like Nordstrom has like a brand and they didn't sell a bunch of this lipstick. Nordstrom will then sell it to TJ Maxx, Marshalls, et cetera, not the brand that actually made it. So 
it could be honestly it could be a product the brand recalled but nordstrom didn't know what to do with it so they sold it to tj maxx or it's hitting their expiration date um there are like a multitude of issues that could affect it so just be mindful when you're like shopping at those kind of like outlets um what you would be getting into in terms of either topical or ingestible purchases i mean like like i said i shop there all the time like I'll buy salt and like seasonings and stuff from there, but I won't buy beauty products because I can't guarantee that what they're selling wasn't then returned by someone, you know, who was returning a counterfeit after purchasing the actual product. Right. And all those boxes always tend to be a little bit too open, not going to lie. And that's just like a big hygiene red flag for me. Well, and the products are like the pans are all broken powders. <laughs> so like, first of all, because they're treated like shit. And second, all those boxes tend to look like they're cracked open, blah, blah, blah. And I mean, it kind of just freaks me out a little bit in like a hygiene kind of perspective. Like you don't know what they did to it. Like what did they opened just a swatcher? Did they open and they had weird bacteria on their hand and now it's on your face powder? Or like, what if they opened it and looked at the color shade and then coughed on it and now you have COVID-19? It's just like too much, like too much in the air. Like if you see a product there and it looks like it's perfectly closed and you Googled it and it's a proper product, I mean, go ahead, buy it, try it, but I don't know. Nothing has made me want to like pay full price more than actually working for beauty companies and having to deal with disruptors and gray area like purchasing points and unauthorized retailers like i am so happy to pay full price right now just so i can guarantee that it is an authentic product it's authentic that it's safe that it's sealed (laughs) sealed keyword sealed um so high key low key um i wanted to go in with my low key product it's not a typical thing i would mention for this segment of ours but it does fall in the realm of self-care for me because I'm a huge like bibliophile and I love books. And part of my self-care is, you know, really being ensconced in like a different world or learning about something new. And so I really wanted to give a shout out to all of the libraries nationally that um, offer services like Overdrive where you can actually check out ebooks. And have them downloaded on your phone or your Kindle to actually read um, like you would a normal book. And I think that's really great, especially in this time period where we're all social distancing and we're not able to do that. And especially with everyone's budgets being kind of like relooked at, because this allows me to read just as much as I would want to without having to actually purchase the books. And then if I really love the book, maybe I'll go purchase it. But... Um, but, you know, I just really wanted to give a shout out to that because that's been really keeping me sane lately. I think I'm on my, like, I think I'm averaging like three books a week right now. <laughs> yeah, I love a good book to read. Honestly, I've been reading books during this quarantine because I'm a shitty human being. I've been watching a lot of Netflix and Hulu, but I hey, do need to care though. <laughs> I do need to get back to reading some books. I was just telling my boyfriend, I was like, I bought like maybe like three or four books pre-quarantine and I was like I'm gonna read these and then now it's quarantine I was like I'm gonna read these but I've just been watching Netflix and Hulu so maybe this is gonna be a good reason for me to actually read my books now (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um specifically for everyone in the LA area you can sign up for an e-card library card um and in like 30 minutes be reading a ebook from the library it's so quick and seamless and so easy and I highly recommend love that 
That's a really good recommendation. My low-key product is an actual product. It's from Pervana. It's their Nevo Intense Therapy Leave-In Treatment. It's a leave-in conditioner, which I have been absolutely loving. Um, I had a friend recommend it to me, and I put it in my hair right after I take a shower. I put it in while it's wet, or damp, rather, and it leaves my hair soft. It's supple. It has a variety of like, has like cyclomethicone and a bunch of dimethicones in there that are really good for your hair. And so it just makes it super soft and it helps my ends kind of mend a little bit because, you know, the ends always suffer the most. So I really enjoy this product just because of the variety of silicones in there and it really works really well for my hair. That's amazing. I haven't used that product at all, but I have used a bunch of Pervana products and, you know, in their umbrella parent company, a lot of Joico products as well. And pretty much everything from those brands uh, have been really solid choices to my hair care lineup. Yeah, I'll have to give you a little, I have extra bottle. Maybe I'll give you a little bottle of this leave-in treatment because it's so good. Ooh, please. I love a good leave-in. You know, my curly, color-processed, dehydrated-ass hair <laughs> loves a good leave-in. Loves something really hydrating. All right, so my high-key product, I don't know how high-key it actually is, but it's been my high-key product for, like, years and years and years now. But it's the Grande Lash um, Serum for your lashes. It helps them grow a little bit thicker and longer and helps expand your um, your hair growth cycle in your lashes. I don't even know what number of bottle I'm on. I will never be without this product ever. But, like, it is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that product. I use it as well. I absolutely love it. I'm my eyelashes. Okay, I have those tiny itty bitty Asian lashes that everybody knows what I'm talking about, and they have gonna wear eyelashes that are way too long. And I've been using the Grande lash as of like a couple months now, and my eyelashes are so long, I don't even need it. I put mascara on, and people ask me, "Are you wearing lashes?" And I'm like, "No, bis." I don't have eyelashes on. It's my eyelashes. Check out Grande Lash, people. Yeah. So, like, I don't really do eyelash extensions. Um, I will not not wear mascara when I can't get my eyelashes tinted. And even when I do have my eyelashes tinted, I wear mascara just for, like, a little bit of thickening and volumizing. But, like, man, Grande Lash, amazing. Amazing. Like, you know, the little kid from Sandlot who says forever. Yeah. Grande Lash. Forever. Amazing. My high-key product has been a high-key product in the YouTube space, Instagram space for many, many years now. I've literally been using this product since I think I was like 16, 17, just getting into like makeup and all that. And it is the trusted Urban Decay All-Nighter Setting Spray. And if you know the OG All-Nighter Setting Spray, it had a different packaging than it does now, but the formula is still amazing. It keeps my makeup on all day long, doesn't have any creasing issues. If I go out to like a hot place, if I go out at night or anything like that, my makeup stays on all day long, no creasing, no blotchy, no sweating, no anything. I love this stuff. I'm here to like, my ride or die product that I've literally had in my makeup collection repurchased countless times is the Urban Decay All Nighter Setting Spray. Will never leave my makeup collection as for as long as I live. As long as I continue to make it, I will continue to buy it because it is 
freaking good. I don't use setting spray very often, but when I do, it's that one. So let me just let you into a little secret of mine, and it's not really a secret. But when I went on my girlfriend's bachelorette party to Miami in the middle of fucking summer, this was the shit I took with me. It is great. It it locks stocks and is two smoking barrels. It keeps everything in place much longer than any other product I've ever used does. And it's just a really, really solid choice. It's it's worth every penny and you get a lot of uses out of it. Yeah, um, I actually used to be a freelance makeup artist and one of the clients I actually had, we were doing a shoot in a lake and she had to dunk her head in multiple times because she wanted to do that cute little hair flip kind of photography. And I sprayed all-nighter setting spray on her face and majority of her makeup wasn't waterproof. The only thing that I sprayed on there to make it waterproof was the all-nighter setting spray. And let me tell you, her makeup looked bomb. 10 out of 10 would recommend like all-nighter setting spray is superior to any other setting spray you ever decide to try. If you haven't tried it, you're living under a rock. Just just go to the store, pick it up. It's amazing. Just, just do it. Thanks for tuning into our podcast today. You know, we talked a lot about brow lamination and natural deodorants and, you know, why retailers destroying products that were returned isn't a bad thing. But we want to hear from you. We want to know what you think. So let us know on either our website or our social channels. As always, we would really appreciate if you liked and subscribed or rated it and subscribed to our podcast on either Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast um, platform you use that makes us more visible to everyone else. And we would really appreciate it. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. To gain access to our show notes and links that we mentioned earlier, be sure to head over to our website at www.vanitylabpodcast.com to be sure that you're staying up to date on when we're uploading and what we're uploading. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Vanity Lab Podcast. And don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, follow, whatever, which have you on whatever streaming platform that you are on. That way we continue to make content for you. And as always, the opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect the opinions of our employers. Vanity Lab Podcast is hosted by me and Emmy Lovell. All of our sound production editing is by me. Transcripts are written by Emmy Lovell and all of our music comes from Audio Jungle.